Is that the next song? No, that's the invitation. Okay, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> it's okay. What was supposed to come up there was uh, lessons from my garage. <laughs> lessons from my garage. So that's our lesson uh, tonight. Let's begin by sending a message to our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ at home. We, we miss you terribly. Uh, we are seeking different ways to stay connected, uh, but this is not uh, the ideal situation for any of us. And I know that uh, you at home want to be here, and we pray that that can happen just as soon as possible. Until then, we will make the best of what the Lord uh, sends our way. And so that's what we're doing. The only way I know to do this is simply to present lessons as if everybody is in the pew. And so that's what um, we're seeking to do. And as you are tuning in at home, we hope that this comes through uh, clear uh, to you as well. But I just want you to know that at home, uh, you're sorely missed. Sorely missed. Lessons from my garage. I started to say lessons from the garage, but everybody's garage is a little bit similar and a little bit different. So I said, well, I need to do lessons from my garage. As you can see, I'm simply going to pull some items out and hopefully that can help to remind us of several valuable aspects of living for Christ. Okay, So let's get started on my Right here, I have an egg carton, and we uh, purchase eggs at the grocery store, but also uh, we're able to purchase from individuals, and so we keep egg cartons out there because the individuals who have actual chickens at home, they like to have their egg cartons back and use, reuse them and reuse them, so we have egg cartons uh, in our garage, and so there are 12 spaces in here, which reminds me of the 12 Apostles, the twelve apostles. Be turning your Bibles, uh, please, to Matthew chapter nineteen. Matthew chapter nineteen. Notice what Jesus says concerning uh, the apostles. In Matthew chapter nineteen, the latter part of the uh, chapter. There, you'll pick up with me, please. After Jesus had challenged uh, Peter. Uh, to follow him, Jesus said, beginning in verse 28 of Matthew 19, he said to them, Truly I say to you, in the, in the new time, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on the, his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Notice what Jesus said there in verse 28 to the apostles. You will sit on 12 thrones. 12 thrones. In this new time. This new time. This new time Jesus is speaking about is the time after his death. He is heading to the cross. He will be resurrected 
on the third day. He will walk on this earth for 40 days. He will ascend up on high and he will be sitting and he is sitting now at the right hand of God. That's the time in which Jesus is talking about. Okay. And at that time, he will be, as we have read again and again, he will be giving his authority through, the, through his teachings and through his words to, into the hands of the apostles. Okay. Uh, in John 17 and verse 8, uh, Jesus said to his father in prayer, he said concerning the apostles, he said, I, the word that you have given to me, Father, the words that you have given to me, I have given unto them. Okay. And so the chain of authority is being passed down from the Father to the Son and then to the apostles. And then eventually the apostles will write those things down. And so Christ's authority is in the words of the New Testament today. Okay. But when Jesus said that uh, in the New Time, the, the American Standard Version has in the time of regeneration. And I, that's actually the word there. In the time of regeneration, time of regeneration, then you're going to sit on these 12, 12 thrones judging, judging in the sense of giving out the word of God so that people can measure their lives and conform their lives to, uh, to God and his word. Okay. Now turn, turn with me to Titus chapter uh, 3 for just one second. Titus 3. Notice how this connects to what he is saying there. What Jesus is saying. In Titus 3, Paul talks about being converted to Christ. In Titus 3, in verse number uh, 5, he says, He saved us not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. Now watch this. According to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. Okay. This is the time in which Jesus is talking about. He's talking about when the, when, the, when the regeneration time comes. The time in which the new system of Christ begins. Then the authority of Christ will be in the words of the apostles. And from those words we can learn how to come to Christ. People all over the world will learn, did learn, and can still learn. How to be part of that washing of regeneration which can be nothing else other than than the baptismal waters. You notice here in Titus 3, 5, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. And then go back to John 3 and notice how close that is to Jesus' words concerning the new birth. He says in John 3, 3 through 5, he says, except you be born of water and the Spirit, you can't enter to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that's the same thing. Same thing. By the washing of regeneration and the words of the Holy Spirit, then we're able to be regenerated. We're able to be renewed. We're able to have our sins forgiven. We're able to be raised and walk in newness of life. Okay. And so the 12 apostles, you know, when Jesus chose these men, Luke 6 verse 12, he, he spent all night in prayer. This was, this was huge. This was huge. And God's choice of these men probably would not have been the choices we would have made. But God, through his wonderful providence and power, brought together men of various backgrounds. Fishermen, tax collectors, scholars like the Apostle Paul, and many others. And brought them together and that through them the world was turned upside down. 
And so first of all, wanted to bring up my egg carton here, which reminds me, because of the 12 spaces in there, it reminds me of the work of the apostles and the position that Jesus put them in. The next item from my garage is our recycling can. Our recycling can. Now, my wife pushed me into this over the years, and now I'm, I'm willing to take things that, that are easily recycled. We have a little place there in Trinity where we can collect items and, and that can be uh, recycled and take them over there to a little bin, and then uh, they take them off uh, to the recycling place. And so we have a recycling can. Our trash can is outside the garage, but our recycling can is handy inside the garage. Now, that reminds us of some important ideas. First, all of us as sinners, we need to be recycled. That's what God does. He, he takes something that is um, used and may be a little bit uh, damaged by sin and creates something new. Have you studied out um, this idea of recycling? It's been taking place now probably over 20 years. You, do you remember the uh, the actor? He's he's kind of old now. He may not even be alive now, but his his name is Dennis Weaver. Anybody remember him? Seemed like he was on a movie with a as a truck driver or something one time. Uh, he has a recycled house out in Colorado. Uh, it is um, it is a ten thousand square foot house. It cost him three point three million dollars to build it. It is entirely made out of recycled materials. Used uh, tires from trucks and, and cars and so forth. And also made of uh, aluminum cans. And various other plastics and, and aluminums uh, were put together. And his entire house, 10,000 square foot, is made of recycled uh, materials. And so people have really uh, paid attention to the need to recycle. Uh, this place, um, and you guys help me with this, we... We ran through St. Louis one time on our way to Minnesota, and there's a city museum there. Is that a recycled-built place? Is that, that's all out of used uh, metal. Have any rest of you been there, uh, the city museum in, in St. Louis? Uh, it's, it's really a, 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 it's a place to play. It's a play place for kids, but it's created out of in mostly recycled metal or recycled aluminum. You can slide... And you can, you can jump and climb, and it's called the City Museum there in St. Louis. Well, we need to be recycled because uh, we're all sinners, and we need to come to Christ. What Christ does, he takes something that is damaged by sin, and he, he recycles it. He renews it. Okay. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, you might want to check this passage in relation to this idea. 1 Thessalonians 1 Paul speaking about the conversion of several there in Thessalonica. Notice what he says in 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 9. He says, They themselves report concerning us the kind of reception that we had when we were among you, and how that you, many of you there in Thessalonica, you turned to God from idols... To serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath 
to come. Now, many great teachings there in that passage, but notice these were idolaters. But they had turned to the living God and now serving Jesus Christ. They had been damaged. They were damaged goods. But God took them and renewed them because of Jesus Christ and his being raised from the dead. And because of their submission uh, to the Holy Gospel. Alright. Compare that also to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter 2. How Peter speaks of what it means to be converted to Christ. Verses 9 and 10. 1 Peter 2, uh, 9 and 10. You also are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you, notice this, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see how God can take us out of darkness into light? He can take us from being nobody and put us in his kingdom because, again, of the shed blood of Jesus and our own submission uh, to his will. I think about the book of Philemon. I love to talk about that book because in the midst there is the, is the slave Onesimus. And he had become unprofitable to Philemon in his work. And he evidently ran away. Somehow or another got connected with Paul and was converted to Christ. And Paul, in, with this letter, is sending Onesimus back to Philemon, telling him, Philemon verse 11, he's saying, Look, he was once unprofitable in you, but I'm telling you right now, I have begotten him in the gospel. He is now altogether profitable for you. In fact, Paul went on to say, I wish I could keep him here to help me. But because I want him to do right with you, I am sending him back to you. Notice how God, in his wonderful ways, had taken that Onesimus and turned him around. And so he had recycled his life in a sense. We also must be careful not to recycle evil. It seems like that we continue to struggle with the same thing. Solomon once said there's nothing new under the sun. And that's true of evil also. One of the things that got uh, Stephen stoned was he just put it out there just like it is in truth. And he was talking to these Jews about various themes. You know, if you read there in Acts 7, Stephen gives you a, a, a synopsis of Hebrew history. He does a wonderful job of that. But he gets, he gets down to where they live. And he, he basically tells them, Acts 7 verse 51, he said, he said, you are a stiff-necked people. You are uncircumcised both in your heart and your ears. You do always resist the Holy Spirit. And then he said this, as your fathers did, so do you. You see how that there's a tendency among men to just recycle evil, recycle sin, recycle bad habits. That's why it's so very important for parents to give the, their whole heart to bringing up their children because you want your children to stand on their own feet as re, in regard to their faith in Christ. You don't want to see your own weaknesses recycled in 
in the habits of your own children. You want them to outgrow you in in faith. You want them to become more mature in faith than you ever have been. And that takes diligence, hard work, lots of prayer, lots of teaching. You know how that goes. But notice this, what Stephen said. As your fathers did, so do you. And the reason that happens, Stephen says there in Acts 7. He says, because we're so hard-hearted. We are stiff-necked. That means, you know, when you have a stiff neck, and we've all woke up, we've all woke up with a stiff neck. You don't want to turn that way. You don't want to turn that way. You just want to keep your head. You don't want to, you don't want to see. And, and then you can have that attitude toward the truth. You've got one ideal about what is true. And you're not going to, you're not going to bother to look over here and, and check out other parts of the Bible or, or other truths of the Bible. You've got your, and you're not going to change from anything. In other words, because my dad said it, I'm going to go with it. My grandpa said it, I'm going to go with it. And Stephen's saying, by doing this, you are resisting God himself. You're resisting the Holy Spirit. So they were just recycling sin from one generation to another. And so we have to be careful about that as well. In 2 Timothy 3 and 13, Paul said to Timothy, evil men will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. You see, that's just a recycling. One generation is deceived. And that causes the next generation to be received. And then you're just passing along, recycling uh, evil and sin and bad habits and, and error uh, coming and going. And so the second item there in our garage is a recycling uh, can. Third item is our little red wagon. Every family needs probably has most families have a little red wagon okay one of the phrases i've heard all of my life is uh, a wagon that is not full makes the most noise so i have just a few things in there that were supposed to be making noise but being on top of this table it's not making a lot of noise i mean hear that okay. that noise is because the wagon's almost empty okay if the wagon was full it wouldn't make any noise okay well, as you know, that's true, that if you just have a few things in a wagon, then it's going to make a lot of noise. The, the lesson from that is, the lesson is that our lives, when our lives are full, then we're not going to be murmurers, we're not going to be gossipers, we're not going to be stirring up wrath. Rather, we're going to be paying attention to what the Lord would have us uh, to do. Notice a couple of passages uh, with me, please, in your Bibles. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1, then we'll move over to Colossians 1. But in Philippians 1, Paul in his prayer for these brethren, he says, my prayer for you is, notice Philippians 1 verse 11, that you will be filled, that you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And notice Colossians 1 as well. He says, I pray, verse 9, Colossians 1, 9, I pray from the day that we heard of your faith, that we have ceased not to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, you will be fully pleasing to him. If our mind is set on that, then we're going to make less inappropriate noise in our lives. Look over also, or flip back to Ephesians chapter 3. And verse number 19, 
Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19, Paul's prayer is that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge and you would be filled with all the fullness of God. That you would be filled with all the fullness of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6 also, Paul's instructions to the rich. Notice what he says in verse number 18, 1 Timothy 6, 18. That they would do good, they would be rich in good works, rich in good works, and they'd be generous and ready to share. In Titus chapter 2 and verse 7, Paul says to the young men, he wanted them to be model of good works. You see the idea? That if we are full of the fullness of God, we we continue to seek to be filled with His knowledge, and then as we apply that knowledge that we are full of good works, we're full of the fruit of righteousness, then where are we going to find the time to stir up strife and to murmur and to gossip and complain? We won't have time. We'll be too busy serving the Lord. Now, of course, a wagon is most useful uh, for carrying things. Carrying things. Bringing things to you or taking things away uh, from your house. It's amazing how much we've had in this wagon. We've used this wagon uh, for a number of things. I, I remember hauling limbs and uh, old grass clippings, uh, basically hay, and putting both um, Anna and the dog in the wagon and taking it from the ditch all the way out to the road and making those trips uh, back and forth and back and forth. A wagon is just good for carrying things. We read in in John 1, verse 42, that uh, this little man named Andrew, uh, he went and got his brother Simon. Simon Peter, and brought him to Christ. Brought him to Christ. In that same context, Philip went and got Nathaniel and brought him to Christ. Of course, it's clear that we ought to be doing that as well. The great story there in Mark 2, when Jesus is in a house and he's teaching and the house is just full of people, and these men show up and they're carrying a man on a stretcher. And they can't get in the door, can't find a way in, so they go through the roof, they go on top of the roof, and they bust their way through the roof and bring him down, set him right before Jesus. But Mark 2, verse 5 says, When Jesus saw these men carrying this sick man, it says that he saw their faith. He saw their faith. When we bring others to Christ, when we seek to help others in the name of Christ, then that is our faith in action. Galatians 6 verse 2 says we are to bear one another's burdens and in that way we fulfill the law of Christ. So we need to carry burdens. We need to, we need to carry people. We need to bring a people. A lost ideal which is so dominant in the New Testament but it's kind of been lost on us is the ideal of mentoring someone. Paul did it with Timothy he expected Timothy to do it with others. Paul and Barnabas were together. It's just so many relationships that were created out in the sense of one lady mentoring a younger lady or an older mature faith person or man mentoring another man. It's kind of been lost in our society, our disconnected society. To do that, you are, you are carrying that person alone. In your patience, in your diligence, you know by continual fellowship and study, they're going to grow step by step by step 
until eventually they are now standing on their own and they're going out and finding somebody to mentor as well. We bring them along. And God would have us to be doing that continuously, whether it's people that are related to us or people who may be uh, worshiping with us or people just out in society. We must continue to work with them. And so, lesson from our egg carton here, having to do with the 12 apostles, Lesson from our recycling can having to do how God wants to recycle us and we don't need to recycle evil. And then a lesson from our little red wagon, how that we are to carry people and bring people to the Lord and be full of good works. Our next one has to do with a broom. Having to do with a broom. Brother Sam, will you come up here and read for us? You'll have to stand up here right next to me because this is the only mic we got. Let's be turning to Matthew chapter 12 and I'm going to ask Sam to read for us Matthew 12 43 to 45 Matthew 12 43 to 45 let's listen carefully then when the unclean spirit gone out of the man he walketh through the dry places seeking rest and findeth none Then he said, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept and garnished. Then goeth goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter into the, and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto his wicked generation. seems clear that one thing Jesus is doing there in that passage, he's speaking to the Jewish generation who are really failing as a collective whole in accepting Jesus Christ in that day, but also there's a principle for us as individuals there. Okay. The demon has gone out of a man and is going here and there But then he decides for some reason to return to the house where he was and there he finds it all swept, okay, swept and cleaned out. That's why I've got the broom up here, all swept and cleaned out. And he decides, well, if it's swept and cleaned out, I'm just going to get some other uh, spirits much worse than me and inhabit this place again. Therefore, the last state of that man is worse than the first. So, So what's the principle here? The principle clearly is, as we turn away from sin, we must fill our lives with those things which are good. Fill them with knowledge, fill them with good works, or else the devil's going to come back and find an opening in our lives once again. And the last state with us will be uh, worse than the first was. Peter kind of mentions that in 2 Peter 2, 20-22. He says, it would have been better for you not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it, than to turn to the world and its pollutions again. It's like the dog returning to his vomit or the pig wallowing in the mire again. The last state is worse than the first. And so the reason we have this broom up here, Nathan, this little broom here, when you've got to clean out the church van, it's handy. It's handy. Because you can't hardly get a big broom in that church van 
and young people can really, and, and old people not much better, they can really mess up a church van. That might have come, did that come out of the church van? I'm not sure. It may have already been there. But I'm going to give you some advice. You ever having to clean out a van? That's really good uh, if you just got to do a quick cleanup job. But notice that important passage there in Matthew chapter 12, 43 to 45. And remember that if our lives are not full of God, then the devil will find a way back in. And the Lord is not happy about that. He makes that clear by saying the last day is going to be worse than the first. And so we want to be pleasing uh, to God. You remember in Luke 15, along about verse 8, Jesus is giving different stories. He says, what about this woman who has ten silver coins and she loses one what's she going to do is she not going to take her broom is she not going to look in every crook and crook and and corner of the house is she not going to sweep and when she finds her coin what does she do well she's already told her friends that she's lost the coin but now she's going to tell them hey i have found my coin come come and look i have found it and they're going to they're going to be happy together and then Jesus adds this, heaven is happy, happy when over one sinner that repents. Yes, the broom, the broom has so many lessons uh, that we need to think about. And so I want to mention that as well. How many is that so far? Are you guys getting tired of this? We've got the, um, we started with the eggs. We went to the recycling. We went to the wagon. Now we went to the room. That's number four. Yeah, that's, that's, that's about right. So that's number four. What do we find in the garage? Well, you, if you look at our garage, you're going to find all kinds of baskets. And this time of the year, we drag out Easter baskets. We haven't done a good job at that this year. But what do you put inside an Easter basket? Well, anything that delights a person's soul. Certainly one thing would be Oreo cookies. Okay. And then also the thing that goes with Oreo cookies, of course, is milk. Okay. Now, Ken's choice is uh, Krispy Kreme donuts and chocolate milk. That's a pretty good combination as well. There's some things that just go together, like peanut butter and coffee and milk and Oreos and like Krispy Kreme and chocolate milk. Some things just belong together. That's the idea. Okay. So, there are some things that are clearly spelled out in the Bible that belong together. Husband and wife belong together. Jesus said in Matthew 19, Have you not read that he who made them in the beginning made them male and female and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. Wherefore, there are no longer two but one flesh. What God therefore has joined together, let not man put asunder. Husband and wife belong together. That's what God intended. Rough times, hills and valleys, you're still together until death do you part. Also, Christ and his church belong together. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 25 spells this out. As the husband is the head of the wife, so Christ is the head of, 
the church, and he's the savior of the body. He's the savior of the body. The people who come to Christ for salvation, well, what happens to them? Well, God puts them in the church. Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for it. There's a special relationship that is developed between Christ and the church because that's where the saved people are and that's where the saved people serve. That's where the saved people operate. That's where the saved people uh, worship. So Christ and the church belong together. As does faith and works. You know, James talks about this over and over in James 2, 14 to 26. He says, faith being by itself without works is dead, James 2, 16 and 17. Faith without works is dead. And he gives several illustrations there of um, Abraham's uh, faith in offering Isaac and, and many others there. He even says that if you see a person who is destitute and needs clothing and needs daily uh, food and uh, notwithstanding you don't give them anything that they need, then how is that faith? That's not faith. Faith has got to combine, you got to combine it with works. Belief in God is wonderful, but also caring good works out is part of, of that faith. Faith and works also uh, go uh, together, as does spirit and truth. Jesus talked about worship to the lady of Samaria, and he said, God is spirit, and those that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And we mentioned that this morning with the Lord's Supper. Both are vitally important. We listen to God carefully in regard to worship, but also our mind is focused on what we're doing as we partake of the supper, as we worship. I appreciate the good emphasis on singing this singing. As we worship, we think about what we're singing. We think about what we're, what we're thinking about and, and hearing in prayer, and we move on and on uh, with that. So spirit and truth go together. I don't know how that could possibly be missed, as does uh, love and truth, Ephesians chapter uh, 4 and verse 15. We speak the truth in love. We speak the truth with kindness. We don't back away from the truth. We don't compromise with the truth. But as best we have within our being, we try to do it in, in the most kind way possible. And the only way to do that is to follow Jesus. According to Romans eleven twenty one and 22, the goodness and severity of God go together. People can get a wrong view of the Lord because they, they think He doesn't have anything severe about Him. Or some people think God is so severe there's nothing uh, loving about Him. Well, it's both things, isn't it? It's both. He's, both. he's both good and He is severe. And He wants to be good to us. But because of His holiness and righteousness and judgment, then if we don't submit to Him, He'll be severe uh, toward us. And belief and baptism go together. As Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, He who believes and is baptized uh, shall be saved. So this item, this basket, which can be used as, as an Easter basket. By the way, Will, these Oreos are yours. I asked your mother if you could have them. She said yes. So you get these afterwards. Okay. And then, if you can see this, to my left is uh, a lawnmower. I love this little lawnmower. It's got a Briggs & Stratton engine. I use one of these on our yard 
uh, for many years, for many years, till Nathan was kind enough to, to uh, sell me real cheaply, real cheaply, a riding mower. And but uh, I love these little bricks and strands. This thing did not come from my uh, garage. It came from our big garage out back. But it is very much like the mower uh, that I used to use. Now, one thing about um, a lawnmower, much to say about it. But you can put gasoline in a lawnmower, but if it's not firing, then you're not going to get anywhere. So you, you've got to have um, either a spark plug or you've got a lot of good things going on with the engine uh, before uh, it will, your gasoline will do you any good. One thing about uh, being a Christian is that we can lose our fire. And Jesus was concerned about the church at Laodicea in Revelation 3, 14 to 17, because their fire was going out. They were neither hot nor cold. Uh, Jesus warned in Matthew 24, verse uh, 12 and 13, that uh, our love can, can wax cold. It, it can grow cold. Okay. Evidently, the church at Ephesus uh, was losing uh, their zeal because Jesus said um, to them, you need to repent and do the first works, Revelation 2, 4 through 6. And the church at Laodicea seemed to be in worse shape than that because uh, they, they thought they were doing fine. They thought they were self-sufficient. They thought everything was fine. But Jesus said, I'll tell you what, you're actually poor, naked, blind, and wretched. And so it's all about whether we keep our fire burning uh, for the Lord. Another thing about a lawnmower is that your, your grass cutting can, can be uh, defective uh, if your blades are not sharp. Uh, dull blades um, won't keep you from cutting, but it won't, it'll, it'll keep you from doing the job you need uh, to do. In a similar way, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, the apostle warns that many around the Jerusalem area, and this was now what, um, if Jesus, say Jesus died at A.D. 30 to 33, which you know he did, either 30 or 33, and so uh, now the apostle is writing this letter to Christians around Jerusalem, and it probably not more than twenty, at the most thirty years later, they're already becoming dull of hearing, and already having a need for someone to teach them the first principles of Christ. You notice it there in Hebrews chapter five, for they should have already become teachers. But because they become dull of hearing. If we become dull toward the Word of God, then that is a dangerous step toward losing our faith altogether because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. If we become dull toward hearing, dull toward the Word of God, and uh, lackadaisical, haphazard about our studies then uh, that's just a step toward actually losing our faith, actually stepping away uh, from God. One thing about a lawnmower that I've always experienced, the ones I've had, are just they just keep on going. They, no matter how you treat them, they, you get into some rough territory with them, they just keep on going. My first, uh, I guess, real job, I, I umpired baseball when I was... Um, uh, younger person and um, they did pay us for that um, it wasn't worth the pay <laughs> umpiring little league baseball 
Uh, to, uh, you got you to have a... You don't have much going for you up here if you're umpiring Little League Baseball. That was, that was me. Still is. Uh, but my first other job was... I loved it. I was working at a, at a gas station... Um, a full-service gas station where we would check the oil, add oil, and do the pumping of the gas, and we get to talk to the customers, and then we would we'd run their car through a wash, a little washer chair back there, and we, you know, full service, full service. Uh, but also out in front near the highway where this gas station was was a very severe, deep ditch, and in our spare time, us boys who worked there. Uh, we had to take a little small push mower and, and cut that grass back and forth. And we we mistreated that lawnmower. It, I don't know how it ran, but it ran for years. It was rough and tough. And God expects us to be just that way. Not only not to lose our fire, but to keep ourselves sharp in the Word of God and to be tough. To be tough. As Paul says it in Galatians 6 and verse 9, Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we do not faint. God does not expect us to faint. He does not expect us to grow weary. He expects us to be tough. Okay. He expects us to be faithful unto death, Revelation 2 and verse 10. Well, that basically brings me to the end, and I'm sure you're glad, of my lessons from my garage. But as I thought about it, I thought, well, maybe this would be something that, can, that somebody might remember. Sometimes the simplest lessons are attached to things which are visible. And so perhaps there will be one or two things that maybe someone sees tonight that will stay with them and that will make an impression upon them. We need to read God's Word and reread it and have His truths uh, wrapped around us and digested down into our soul. The one box back here I have not touched. I showed this to Will's class on Zoom today. It's a bunch of bungee cords with rope all tangled up. All tangled up. They stay tangled just about every year until Bible camp time. And then we spend about 45 frustrating minutes getting these things untangled but we use them to create clotheslines at camp to hang our wet clothes on. But it reminds me of Proverbs 5 22 where there's a warning there about sin. Sin can ensnare us. The devil kind of lays a trap with sin and we can become entangled in the cords of sin. Sin has a bunch of cords. It's, it's like a web. And if we don't quickly take care of one sin, then that sin will bring in another sin. And before long, we're all, we're all tangled up. We're all tangled up in our sin. And so tonight, lessons from my garage. I hope this has been upbuilding. And I pray that some of these principles can stay with us. This evening we mentioned there are just some things that go together. Like milk and cookies, they go together. More important than, more important than milk and cookies will ever be is the fact that we belong together with, with God. 
He created us not to destroy us. He created us in His image so that one day we would be with Him. We belong to God. Very much so when we leave this life and go to heaven, it will be a homecoming because that's where we belong. Like when the prodigal came home, it, it was the son coming home to his father. And don't you love to think about that great homecoming? That can be ours if we follow him. If there's any need tonight that needs to be expressed, please make that known right now as we stand together, as we sing. Brilliant.